welcome to Covenant Life Church, a ministry that is committed to helping you discover Christ's purpose for your life and leading you towards your best existence by providing you with meaningful ways to affect positive change in your world. Join Pastor Shane as he delivers a powerful and inspirational message for your life today. I feel special. Thank you so much, Pastor Shane. I felt, I felt like I was like Rocky climbing up the steps here, you know? I mean, that was just a lot of energy in the room. Uh, so man, thank you so much. Uh, so excited to be with you guys today. Uh, excited to share God's word and to stand in this pulpit uh, where, where uh, Pastor Shane and so many others speak the word of truth. Uh, this guy right here, uh, back in the day when I was just getting started, just a young pup in ministry, I interned with him when he was a youth pastor. Uh, and so I've learned some things about him. I could share some stories with you. Beth, would you like one of those stories? Um, you know, sometimes it's fun just to get the behind the scenes. I know you guys just finished a series called uh, Offense, uh, talking about living on the offensive. Uh, and I'll tell you, this guy right here is one of those guys who is always living on the offense, no matter what he's doing. So yesterday, uh, I'm actually recovering right now from hiking yesterday at Hanging Rock State Park. Anybody ever go there? Uh, so... I don't even have the excuse that my legs are shorter than his. So I was just running behind him all day up the mountain. He's just working hard, uh, making me keep up, uh, doing some hiking adventures. So if it's hiking and adventure, you're on the offensive. Here's a story from when he was a youth pastor. Uh, one night after the service, there was a couple uh, young ladies in the youth group who thought it would be fun to play a prank uh, on Pastor Shane and Andy. And so they went out to the parking lot and messed with our cars and, you know, drew on the, the windows with ketchup and uh, put some, some post-it notes and different things on there. And so I, in my young, immature, uh, not, not knowing what to do uh, ways, I said, well, Pastor Shane, what should we do? How should we handle this? And in his offensive way of thinking, he said, I know exactly what to do. We're going to put their cars up on blocks. And then once they go to the car wash and wash our cars and come back with a written apology, we'll give their cars back to them. And that's exactly what we did. Uh, and so there's, there's nothing defensive about that. That's just, you know, that's like the straight, you go to prison, kill a man on the first day, everybody else leaves you alone. That's that mentality right there. Uh, and so uh, this, this is who your pastor is. He's always 110%. And so whether it's adventure uh, or whether it's uh, uh, pranks uh, or whether it's just leading his family, I can say I've been on the journey of, of seeing the way that he leads and loves Jamie and the kids. And you're just a fantastic husband and father, and you give 110% to that. And, and, and there's nobody I'd rather pray with uh, than you. Do, doesn't he just go after Jesus? And so I just, I just want to honor him as your pastor and the way that he contends for this community and the culture that's being built here and what God's doing together in this community. Uh, he's just giving everything he's got to it. And so, Pastor Shane, thank you for the opportunity. I love you. You guys have the greatest pastor in the world right here. Can you just give him a hand? Amazing. So super honored to be able to share today. And, and even a few years ago, uh, I felt like we had a conversation on the phone and, and you said, hey, at some point I'm gonna have to have you, uh, you come speak at, at Covenant Life Church. And I said, oh, absolutely. In that moment, I knew exactly what I needed to share. And so the day has finally arrived, I have to be in the area. You said, you gotta come, you gotta come share today. So privileged to do that. Uh, Cause I feel like God's given, given me a word for you today. And it's a word that, that you will walk out of this place uh, with a greater confidence, a greater faith, a greater expectation of what God wants to do in and through you as you leave today. And I, I, I'm so confident of that. And it's not because I'm a, a great communicator. I can be the worst communicator in the world, but the word is just so good that I can't even mess it up. So there's no pressure today. Uh, it's just gonna be really fun because uh, you're coming out of this series called Offense, 
uh, I love the tagline of that. The best defense is a good offense, right? And so we're talking about making a difference in the world. We're not talking about living, uh, being pushed back, but living in a way that you're, uh, maybe describe it this way, living an abundant life. That's what I believe God has for each of us. Living an abundant life where we are seeing in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, wherever we go, we are seeing the kingdom of God expand because we're on the offense and we're saying, God, here I am. I'm your son. I'm your daughter. Use me. And maybe you're here today. Uh, maybe you just wandered in. Uh, you're confused about what even's happening here today. Uh, this is a church. We're glad you're here. Maybe you just wandered in. Well, I'm here to tell you today uh, that it's not by accident that you're here, that God has a purpose for you, that he's put gifts and, and, and a calling upon your life uh, and, and, and that God has plans for you. Maybe you've been coming here for a while. Uh, God has plans for you. He's got a per There's things he wants to do in you. There's things that he wants to do through you. And, and sometimes to step out into the fullness of what that is, uh, we, need, we need a little confidence boost. We need a little faith boost. We need a little wind in our sails to remind us of who we are and whose we are. And I feel like the word today is gonna be just that. So can I, can I just pray for you? Because I, 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 this isn't me. This is the Holy Spirit. I think he wants to do something. So Lord, thank you for, for your, your sons and daughters here today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for who you are. Speak to us today. God, I pray we'd walk out of here. God, changed because we know more about who you are. And so we can see more about who you've created us to be. We love you. We pray these things in your name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Well, as, as Pastor Shane said, I am uh, now living in Texas, uh, the great state of Texas, where we are just trying to figure out that whole barbecue thing, but we're just doing a little bit differently than you guys do it here. Uh, but uh, it's great. I, I love North Carolina, though. It's a little flat and dry in Texas. Uh, and so the hills and just the greenery around here, it's incredible. Uh, live there with my wife, Lindsay. We got married a few years ago. Uh, I've had the privilege of, of ministering all around the world and in different nations. And one time I was in Kenya, uh, and there was a missionary there from Ohio that was working with Somali refugees uh, in the city of Nairobi. And uh, so we got to talking a little bit. And, and after a while, I figured uh, the best thing that I could do uh, would be to bring her back from Nairobi, working with Somali, some of the most unreached people uh, on the earth, bring her back to Dallas where they need more Jesus, you know? So uh, real good pastor, as you can tell, uh, but it worked out. And uh, we're, we're celebrating about two and a half years of marriage. And, and so she's, she's amazing, wishes she could be here. Uh, uh, with me today. Uh, so uh, the, what, what I want to talk to you about today is a topic that uh, I was even talking with some, some people after first service, and I was getting pretty mad about it. That the fact that I had never heard anybody talk about this in Bible college, I never heard anybody talk about it in seminary, I grew up going to church, uh, never heard anybody talk about what we're going to talk about today. And when I first heard it, I thought, are you kidding me? This, this is the greatest message that has ever been. You, why are we not talking about this thing? And I think you're going to understand even why uh, when he was telling me uh, about your church the first time, I thought this is exactly the message that needs to be spoken here today. So the message I believe is gonna shift some things, not just in our thinking, but in our revelation of who God is and the revelation of who we are. Because I think sometimes, I don't know if you can identify with, uh, with this, but sometimes uh, we might live in circumstances or situations in our lives where we know God has said one thing, we know the word of God uh, says something, but yet the experience and the reality that we face looks a little bit different. So it could be on a personal level where, and even spiritually, I, I look at the word of God and it says, man, I am a new creation in Christ and I am filled with the power of the Holy Spirit because that's what the word of God says about me. But I'll be honest with you, some mornings I wake up and I don't really feel like a new creation that's filled with the power of the Spirit. So I don't know if the Holy Spirit got up uh, on the other side of the bed that morning or what happened, but I just don't quite feel it or I just don't quite see it. 
Or there could be uh, words or promises that God has spoken to you about, about finances or about healing or about something relation, relationally in your family or dreams God's put in your heart, uh, callings that he's placed upon you. And yet when you look around you, uh, sometimes you think, God, this, this isn't exactly like what I thought it would be. This isn't, this isn't what I expected this to look like. Are, are you sure? Are we, is this gonna happen, God? Anybody ever feel, uh, feel like that? And so the word today is a word that I think ties into that theme. We're gonna look at a, a story of a guy in the Bible. Uh, his name is Father Abraham. Have you heard of him before? Uh, he had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. Um, but actually, his name before being Abraham, it was Abram. Uh, so we're gonna talk about this guy named Abram. And we're gonna look at a part of his life that maybe you've read over this and skipped over it before, but I would submit to you is, is one of the mo most foundational portions of scripture. Uh, so this guy, Abram, let me catch you up to speed on his life if you're unfamiliar. Uh, he, we, we don't know why God chose to deal with Abram. There's, there's really nothing great about him in and of himself. Maybe God just knew that he would say yes to him. Uh, I, like, I like that part of the story, that it wasn't because of all the things that he had done. But God looked at this guy named Abram and he said to him, Abram, I'm going to make you great. I'm going to give you lots of land and I'm going to give you as many descendants as there are stars in the sky. And through one of your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Now that's a pretty big, uh, that's a pretty big conversation to have uh, with God if he just interrupts your day uh, with those statements right there. That might be a little hard for me to believe, but Abraham is actually, or Abram is referred to in the Bible as the man of faith. So he receives this word from God, and then I can only imagine he was sitting down with Sarah, where Sarai was, a, was her name at that point, uh, sitting down with his wife Sarai at dinner that night, and she's saying, hey, honey, how was your day? Oh, it was great. God told us uh, that he's gonna bless us and make us great and give us all this land and as many descendants as there are stars in the sky, uh, and through one of those descendants, all the nations of the earth is gonna, I mean, that's a pretty interesting uh, dinner conversation to have, uh, and she said, well, what, what, what? And what does this mean? Well, we, he said, we just need to go and he'll show us where to go, but we just need to uproot our family and start wandering. I mean, can you imagine the faith that it takes if you're Sarai to go with Abram uh, at this point upon that word from the Lord? But, but Abram does it. In faith, he, he pulls up his, his, his roots and his tents and he starts moving. And for about 15 years, he is wandering in this land that is not his own. He's, it says in the Bible that he is living as a, as a stranger, as a foreigner uh, in this land, in his tents, not settled down, not rooted. God said it's gonna be yours, but it's not his yet. And even more so, uh, when God gave him the word about having children and as many descendants as there are stars in the sky, he was old. In fact, it was impossible for him, and Sarah, Sarai was old, it was impossible for them to have children because of their age. Now 15 more years have gone by and there's still no kids. So uh, if it was impossible before, it's doubly impossible now. And so Abram one night is out, he's, he's walking, and we pick up the story in Genesis chapter 15, uh, verse seven, God is reaffirming to Abram the promise that he had spoke to him years ago. He says uh, in verse seven of Genesis chapter 15, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land as your possession. So he's kind of doubling down, hey, Abram, don't forget what I said. I know you don't see it yet, but here's what I'm saying. And I love Abram's question back to him because it's a question that I feel like I've also asked many times in my life. Abram says back to the Lord, O sovereign Lord, 
How can I be sure that I will actually possess it? How can I be sure that I will actually possess it? Now, we're not talking about a guy who's just a skeptic. We're talking about a guy who has already uprooted his life and for years, over a decade, has been stepping out in obedience to what he felt like God told him to do, and yet he's looking around him, and it ain't happening. It doesn't look like what God said it was gonna look like. And so he's, he's maybe he's feeling a little duped. He's feeling a little bit uh, disappointed, maybe a little bit disillusioned. With, with what God has said and who he is. And so in this moment of, of, of realness and honesty with God, he says, oh, sovereign Lord, how can, how can, I mean, basically he's saying, God, what gives? I mean, you, I did everything that you said. You said, go and I will, I took the biggest step of faith ever and here I am and I'm not seeing what you said. What's the deal? Why doesn't it look like what you said? And I can identify with that. I can identify with promises in God's word that I see that I, I believe are true and yet I feel like they're, they're not quite taking root in my heart and in my life or in my thinking. And I think, God, is this, is this real? Because I, sometimes I don't feel it. Or I'll be in a situation with a relationship where I feel like God wants to do something, but it, man, it's, it's not happening. There, there's not reconciliation. Things aren't going, like, God, are you sure this is the right thing? Or there might be a financial situation or there might be something, man, I love that testimony. Man, what a powerful story. Some of being, being touched and healed of, of, of a tumor in their liver. I mean, wow, are you kidding me? But, but for as many stories as we hear like that, there's people that are still in the moment of saying, God, what gives? I don't, I don't see this. I know what your word says. I know your promise is for healing, but I don't, I don't see it in this situation. God, what's the deal? And so I think it's a very relatable question that Abram's asking of the Lord. And I think the way that God responds to Abram in this situation has a profound effect upon his life. In fact, if you look at Romans chapter four, verses 20 and 21, it says this. This is Paul kind of looking back on Abram's story and reinterpreting it. He says this, he did not, Abram did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced, that's what we're talking about today, being fully convinced that what he had promised he was able to perform. Now, at first, this is actually a little confusing to me because we just read where God, where Abram was questioning God, right? We just read the part where, where Abram says to God, but God, how can I know? How can I know that what you're actually saying is gonna happen? I'm not seeing it. So we know that that's true, but yet when we read the story in the New Testament, it says he did not waver at the promise of God. So which one was it? I would like to submit to you today that this is not a contradiction, but rather Paul is looking back at the story of Abram and he's saying, this guy was on a journey of faith just like all of us. And there was moments of question, questioning and wrestling and looking and seeing and wondering and doubting. But in the end, the story that's written about Abram is that he is the man of faith that did not waver the promises of God and believe that what God had said he was able to perform. So there's a journey of faith that happens where I think we can go from a place of questioning and wondering to a place of being absolutely sure, fully convinced that what God says he's able to perform. And I believe the moment where Abram shifted from being somebody that questioned and wondered, even though he was a man of faith, even though he was stepping out in faith, he still had those internal questions and those doubts. He moved to a place of, of being fully convinced. And I believe it was this very next scripture that we're gonna look at that made all the difference. It was how God responded to Abram's question, God, how can I know that you're actually gonna do what you said? And if we can understand what God said to Abram and grasp that reality for our lives today, I promise you, it's, it's been happening in my life ever since I first discovered this, it's changing me from the inside out. There's just this, 
all right, God, let's do this. Whatever the situation, there's something that, that happens where we become unshakable, unstoppable in the midst of any circumstance, in the midst of any trial, in the midst of any uh, uh, reality that looks different from what we'd expect. We can still be sure and walk in peace and the confidence of knowing. How many people want to uh, walk in that? All right, you want to know what God said to Abram? You ready? Fasten your seatbelts, God. This is going to blow your mind. You're not ready for this, all right? Genesis chapter 15 uh, that was verse eight, where uh, Abram's asking the question, God, how can I know? Genesis chapter 15, verse nine. You ready for this? The Lord told him, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. <laughs> Amen, right? Come on, who's getting touched here today in church? We're having church now. God, how can I know that you're going to do what you said? I don't see it. Bring me a heifer. What? Are you kidding me? This is the most bizarre response on God's part, right? I mean, I read that and I think, what, are you kidding me? In fact, I've read that before, you know, kind of doing the whole Bible reading plan and you're reading through. And I've, I've read that verse before and I thought, I don't know, that's weird Old Testament stuff. I don't need to know that. That's fine, not important. Uh, they did stuff with animals back then. We don't do that today. It's illegal, uh, right? So, so what does this have to do with anything? But the next verse, it says this. So Abram presented all these to him and killed them. Then he cut each animal down the middle and laid the halves side by side. He did not, however, cut the birds in half. So what's even more interesting to me is that I have no idea what the heck is going on in this verse. God, how can I know? Bring me a heifer. Okay. Like what in the world is Abraham doing in this situation or Abram? And more importantly, what does he know that I don't know? See, because if I say to God in a situation, God, what? What's the deal, Lord? I thought, I thought you said this, but it, it looks different. What, God, your word says this, but I'm not experiencing it. What's the deal? And God responded to me in 2019, Andy, bring me a heifer. I think that'd be, that'd be, the, that'd be the deal breaker for me. I'd be done with this, okay? Like, I don't know what this, this thing is, God, but I got the, no, nah, no, nah, I'm good. Um, but, but Abram doesn't respond that way. As soon as God says, bring me a heifer and these other animals, it says, Abram immediately went and did it. And then God didn't give him these instructions, but it says that he, he, he killed the animals, he cut them down the middle and laid them. There's a very specific thing that, that Abram immediately did, which tells me he knows something that I don't know. And so in order for me to understand what is happening in this passage, I need to understand not only what Abram did, but what he knew that caused him to do what he did. Does that make sense? All right, so this, this I don't mean to offend anybody in saying this, the Bible was not written in North Carolina. I don't know if you knew that or not. Uh, so it's not, it's not, you can't claim that. Uh, it wasn't written in Texas. In fact, it wasn't written in any of our lifetimes. The story of, of Abram that we're reading about today, it goes back uh, not just to the time of Jesus about 2,100 years ago, but it goes back thousands of years before that. And we're talking about a world that is just fundamentally different than the world that we live in today. So back then, uh, Abram was not navigating around the promised land with his GPS, right? Uh, he is back in this day where there's not even really government systems and entities. There's no, there's no United Nations. Uh, there's no uh, National Guard. There's no real uh, significant, uh, especially back in this time, uh, 
armies and nations. It's, it's really a tribal culture. And there's groups of people that are spread out all over the place that are banded together in these communities. Uh, and they are, they are uh, existing somehow in this culture where there's no, there's no government, there's no contracts. You, can, you can't have a contract because think about this. First of all, most of you can't, most of the people back then, they can't read. So you can't have a contract, but even if you could read the contract, you got nobody to enforce the contract because there's no government, there's no court, there's no judge. So how are you gonna exist in a society where it doesn't have the structure and the institutions that we have today? Uh, there's, there's a foundation of ancient Near East culture that we have to get if we wanna understand what's happening in this passage, and I promise you it's relevant to you today. And the foundation of the culture back then is the concept of covenant, okay? The concept of covenant. It's hard for us to grasp it today because really the only covenant, uh, covenant ceremony that we have today is marriage, uh, where, where two people are coming together and they're saying, hey, until death do I part, you and I are together in this. Um, so we have the covenant of marriage, but even in our culture, a lot of times that covenant ends up being broken. And so the, the true picture of what covenant is is really difficult for us to grasp uh, in 2019. Uh, so... I think it's really important to grasp covenant. It's really important to understand it. So rather than me just talking more about it, I thought I would just give you a little illustration and we can understand it and discover it together. Is that okay? So I'm gonna ask for uh, some volunteers. Uh, Pastor Shane, would you join me here on the platform? Uh, Pastor Tyler, uh, would you join me on the platform? And we've got some, uh, some little props for us today to help us understand uh, how a covenant would work. Uh, and so uh, we've got here two chiefs. All right, so if you're on this half of the room over here, uh, Pastor Tyler is your chief today and uh, got some great news uh, for you guys. Uh, you are the warriors, <laughs> right? You like that? So let me tell you a little bit about you. You guys, you are the fiercest warriors on the planet. Now, mind you, a couple thousand years ago, Everybody knows your reputation, that there is not a single army that's ever defeated you. There's no, there's no other tribe that's ever come against you and succeeded. You are just bad to the bone, trained, ready to go, strong. Feel good? All right. And over here, this half of the room, you guys, you're the farmers. Hey! Now, I know the warriors sounded cooler, so you guys weren't too excited about this, but let me explain the situation, and I think you're going to like this. You guys... Oh my goodness, you have the greatest skills at cultivating uh, agriculture, even at hunting, you're, you're good hunters. But, but what's even better is, man, you know what to do with that food. And so you guys, you guys are eating good. I mean, you can make, the, you, everybody knows if you wanna eat good, call up this tribe. Oh my goodness, I've never tasted anything like the things they make. So you guys are doing great. So that's pretty good, right? I mean, if it comes down to it, that's not a bad thing to be known for. Sorry, there's a problem. Because you're not really good at defending yourselves, uh, you don't even get to eat the food uh, because everybody else is stealing it from you. But I got a problem for you guys over here. You warriors, you're really struggling too because though uh, you're very good at, at fighting, uh, you spend all your time training and you really lack the skills of being able to, to grow crops and to hunt. And so therefore, you're also starving. So we've got some really great skills in the room, but unfortunately, you're all starving. What are we gonna do about this? Uh, the UNICEF... USAID, they don't exist. So who, who are we gonna call on to come in and help fix the situation? What government, they don't exist. How are you gonna fix it? Well, you're gonna fix it with the covenant. So let me show you what this looks like. So Chief Tyler of the Warriors, let me hear you, Warriors. Yeah. 
You, you need to work with them on that a little bit. Okay. And Chief Shane of the Farmers. Okay. All right. That's good. You guys come together. Now, you're going to do a covenant ceremony. And this is very typical of how a covenant would work in these days. Okay? So this is what it would look like. You'd come together, and the thought is this. Pastor Shane, you are not just an individual making this agreement. It is the whole tribe of the farmers that is coming with you to represent. You are the representative of, of them. So technically, you guys are in Shane as he's making this agreement. And it's not just you. It's actually all of your descendants because your future children and grandchildren, they are in you. You get it? Make sense? So this is not just you as an individual. This is you representing all the people who are in you and all of the people who are in them. So for generations to come, this is a big deal you're, you're stepping into. Yeah. You don't take this lightly, okay? No. All right. And you, same thing. This is not just about you. All of you have said, yes, we agree with what's happening here. We are represented by Pastor Tyler. He is our chief. And so uh, he is making this agreement. You are all in him. All of your descendants are in you. So you're all doing this for generations to come. You'd come together with that realization. There'd be a big ceremony, lots of witnesses. And you would begin to, to declare the terms of the covenant. So for you, you might say things like, you farmers, here's the deal. If anybody comes against you, they come against us. Our resources are your resources. Our strength is your strength. Anybody who's your enemy, they're our enemy, and we will come to your aid. Pretty good, right? You have the fiercest warriors on the planet coming to your aid at any time. You, you, you are now experiencing the same benefit that they get. Pretty great. And then, Pastor Shane, representing the farmers, you would say something back to Pastor Tyler of the warriors, something like, our resources are your resources. All of the food that we get, all of the meals that we prepare, they are not just ours, they are yours. Everything that we have, it's yours. You will no longer go hungry because our ability to provide food will provide for not only ourselves, but for you as well. Pretty good deal. So now all the people that have the food get to share with the people who don't. All the people who need the, the, the army and the strength and the fighting force, they now get it. You get it? So they've declared these commitments to one another and they've said, our resources are, are your resources. Our strength is your strength. So they would do some things typically in this covenant ceremony to evidence that fact. So one of the things they would do is they would exchange their their tools or their weapons. These two chiefs would come together. So now the warriors end up with the spoon, and I knew this is a bad idea. You gotta, you really gotta prepare Freedom! the farmer. Yes, I know. You gotta prepare those farmers for these type of moments. I'm sorry I did a poor job of that today. Please, will you put that back in there? I'll feel better. I'm the closest one to him. You realize, you realize how dangerous this is. So. Uh, so now you've got the sword, you've got the spoon, and you would actually even do another exchange. You would exchange robes. So please don't, just kidding. So, <laughs> so they would exchange robes, and really what they're doing in exchanging robes is this. They're, they're saying, you take on not just my resources, but you take on my identity. Because back in the day, uh, they couldn't just run to the Gap or to Macy's to pick out you know, a, a sale item. They, they, would, they would wear things typical of their tribe or of their group. And so if you gave him your robe, people that were looking from afar would think he was actually a farmer, not a warrior because of the way that he was dressed. And so they're, they're exchanging robes, exchanging garments, exchanging identity, saying, hey, that which defined you now defines me and vice versa, okay? Uh, and then they would typically exchange uh, even firstborn sons was a thing. So you would send uh, your, your children to live with him. He would send his children to live with you. And in doing so, uh, in doing that, you're, you're really, you're, you're saying we are becoming one in this. That's, that's really the point of a covenant is to make two things that are separate to make them one. 
uh, together, that the shared resources together are stronger uh, than those individual realities. So the next part in the covenant then would be this, and this is where we pick up with the story that you heard with Abram. The next part would be they would take an animal, typically a cow or a heifer, and they would cut it down the middle and they would lay the two sides side by side. Now, if you cut a big cow in half, long lengthwise, and lay it on its side, what are you gonna be standing in? Blood. Do you know what the word covenant actually means? It means to cut until the blood flows. So the word, the Hebrew word for covenant is bereath, and it means to cut until the blood flows. It's used over 300 times in the Bible. In fact, the word testament, that we have the Old Testament and the New Testament in the Bible, the word testament, that's a Greek word that comes from the word for covenant. So even the Bible itself is organized by the old covenant and the new covenant, the old to cut until blood flows and the new to cut until blood flows. Really interesting when you start getting into it. So this covenant concept is all, it's pretty messy. I know it's weird today. It kind of feels, maybe you're visiting today. You're like, they talk about a bunch of weird stuff over there at that church. <laughs> I'm not saying, I'm not advocating for any of this. I'm just saying this is how it was, okay, thousands of years ago. So they cut the animal and now they're standing in the blood and what they would do is they would walk together around the halves of the animal in, in a figure eight, kind of modeling the symbol of infinity. And as they would walk together, they would, be, they would be speaking out loud and they would be saying things like, if I fail to keep my part of this covenant, may it be done unto me as was done to this animal. And if any of my descendants fail to uphold any part of this covenant with which we are agreeing to today, may it be done unto them as is done to these animals. This is pretty serious, right? Because you got your whole tribe and some witnesses all around watching this. I mean, that's a pretty bold statement to make. This is not just a contract that you can just rip up and say, ah, changed my mind. This is until death will I fulfill my word to you, okay? So they've gone through this process. They've walked through the blood. Their feet are covered now in the blood of the covenant. And the next step is they would cut their own arm or cut their own hand. And they would do, remember when you were an elementary school kid and... Uh, I remember at least some kids in my elementary school were doing this and my mom was like, don't you ever do that. But you uh, cut your hand and, and you become blood brothers with somebody. Well, that's, that's, a, that's a covenant thing. So they would cut their hand and then they would, they would shake hands. And so now you're really saying part of me, my blood is flowing through your veins and part of your blood is flowing through my veins, right? I'm sorry, I wasn't trying to make you, I stole your covenant, sorry. So. <laughs> So you're really saying to, we are together in this, like we are becoming one entity. And then what they would typically do is they would, they would pick up some dirt from the ground and they would rub it into that cut so that it would make a scar. They did not want it to heal. They wanted it to remain as a scar as a sign of the covenant that they would bear in their body. And so even the concept of waving, so some, some parts of covenant impact us, we don't even realize it. Waving came from a covenant-based culture where if someone was approaching you from afar, you would wave your hand to say, if you come against me, you're not just coming against me because I'm in covenant. There's all kinds of other things going on that you don't realize, so be careful if you're coming against us because you don't know which tribe we're linked with and who we have covenant with, and they just might be bigger than you. So, so even waving is tied back to the concept of covenant and the covenant mark that would remain as a reminder to these people that this is the deal that we made, okay? So after they did that, they would typically share in a covenant meal. Uh, interestingly, it was typically of wine and bread. Sometimes, and this is even in the 19th century in Africa, they would put 
their blood into wine and they would exchange that and say, you are now becoming like me and I am becoming like you. And they would share this meal together. Uh, they, would, they would sometimes plant a memorial, like a tree that would last for generations so that when they came back and, and looked, they could tell generation after generation, hey, this is a place where a covenant was made. And then one of the final steps was typically they would exchange a portion of each other's name. Um, and so instead of just being uh, Pastor Shane, you're now making a covenant with Tyler. So you are Shiler. From henceforth, you'll be known as Shiler. Uh, and Tyler, henceforth, you will be known as Tylane. Okay? So you take a portion of each other's name because, again, these are two tribes becoming one. All the strength and all the resources of each uh, tribe are coming together to form one new entity where they're not losing their individuality, but at the same time, all the strength and the resources of both are coming together. Okay? So then somebody comes and they attack the, uh, the farmers, the warriors come to their aid. The farmers now are sharing all their food. So good news, guys. You guys are still the warriors. You're still strong and mighty, but you're well-fed. You guys are still the, the farmers. You're doing all the great things you do, but you're well-protected. Everybody wins. Hey, give yourselves a hand. That's great. Give these guys a hand, too. Okay, you see how that works? So, uh, so covenant, that was the foundation of this ancient culture in which Abraham lived or Abram lived. And if we don't understand covenant, we actually can't understand the Bible because this kind of stuff happens all the time in the Bible. We just skip over it because we think it's weird and we don't understand it because it makes no sense today. Uh, but this is how they operate it. So if we don't get this, we're gonna struggle to get the rest, all right? So that's the foundation of what covenant is. So let's get back to our story with Abram. You see what happened. God said, uh, Abram said, God, how can I know? God says, bring me a heifer. Abram prepares for a covenant ceremony. Abram realizes that what God is doing is initiating a covenant with him, which is a pretty big statement. And we see what happens in the next verses. It says in verse 12, as the sun was going down, Abram fell into a deep sleep and a terrifying darkness came down over him. After the sun went down and darkness fell, Abram saw a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch pass between the halves of the carcasses. So the Lord made a covenant with Abram that day and said, I've given this land to your descendants all the way from the border of Egypt to the great Euphrates River. So now we're seeing part of this covenant ceremony taking place where God has now come down to these animals that he asked Abraham to prepare for him. He steps into this uh, reality with this guy named Abram. And, and while Abram is sleeping, mind you, he manifests himself, it says a flaming uh, or a flaming torch and a, and a smoking fire pot uh, in the verse. And in my mind, I thought that was just like, okay, like a little torch, a little uh, thing of coals. But re the reality is the, the way this is, same, same Hebrew words, the way they're described elsewhere was like when God was giving the law to Moses and there was thunder and lightning and fire and the people were terrified because the, the, the mountain was shaking and they ran away because they said, we can't be near this guy, he's far too powerful. Same exact words. So it kind of downplays it a little bit, but we're talking about the presence of God himself is right there passing through this animal, making the covenant ceremony with Abram, saying to him, essentially, Abram, my strength is your strength. My resources are your resources. If somebody comes against you, they come against me. Your enemies are now my enemies. Those who bless you, I will bless. Those who curse you, I will curse. He is, he is going through this ceremony with Abram, and I promise you, Abram is losing his mind because no 
No time in history has anything like this ever been done. The most powerful agreement, the most powerful commitment that you could ever make to anyone upon penalty of death is covenant. And now the God who is bound by no man, bound by no thing, has stepped down into time and space to a human being that he created and saying, Abram, I would rather cease to exist than fail to honor my word to you. And I'm now demonstrating it to you by making a covenant. I mean, could you imagine being Abram? Like, you had the promise, but now you've got the covenant. Yeah. You, you had the words, but now, but now the way that's backed up, I mean, that can't be broken. There's no way out. And that's, what, that's what's hard for us to understand in our culture today. There's always a way out for us. There is no way out. The only way out was death. And so Abram in this moment is just being being blown away by the fact that God is making this covenant with him. Now, the writers of the story, they don't feel the need to tell us all the details. Like I walked you through the process of what those steps would be like. They don't feel the need to do that because they just assume if somebody's reading it back then, they understand exactly what's happening. Uh, but we see the other elements of the covenant ceremony throughout Abram's life, right? So we see that uh, God told him as a sign of the covenant, you will do this uh, mark on the body called circumcision so that for every generation that comes, there'll be a mark on the body that serves as a remembrance of the fact that you were in covenant with me. And there's blood involved. And so he gave him the sign of circumcision. That's, that's part of a covenant reality. Uh, there was a tree that was planted as a token of this, uh, this covenant that God had made. Uh, he says things to Abram, truly the things I said earlier uh, are written as scriptures, that those who bless you, I will bless. Those who curse you, I will curse. Right? If they come against you, they come against me. There's this covenant reality that Abram and God step into. And what's really interesting is uh, Abram's name changed to Abraham because there was an extra syllable, right, inserted in there. Abram, Abraham. That syllable is actually a portion of God's name that is inserted into Abram's name because he said, now we are one. My strength is your strength. My resources are your resources. Who I am, you get to share in that reality. And I'm inserting my name, which, which God's name is not just, it's not like a nice, like, you know, kind of just title. It's actually his character. Who he so he inserts that right into Abram's name that from that point forward, when people said his name, they hear part of God's name in Abraham's name. Wow. Interesting. So, so now you can imagine the confidence that Abraham is walking with. Still doesn't, nothing changed in that moment, right? It's not like uh, the, the nations there he was, he was wandering in in that exact moment came to him and said, oh, please take this land. That didn't happen. And it's not that in that moment instantly a baby appeared to fulfill all the words, but everything about Abraham's life changed in that moment where he realized that there was a covenant that existed between the God of all of creation and himself. And it was a a, a confidence that continued through his life. So later on in the story, we see that he begins to inherit this land. Later on in the story, he has a son, the promised son named Isaac. When he was, when he was far too old and his wife was far too old, she was Sarai, and then she became Sarah because of this covenant. She was far too old to have a child. They had a child. And at one point, God says, you know what? Let's, let's test this, Abram. You're the man, Abraham, you're the man of faith. Let's test this a little bit. I want you to sacrifice your son to me. And Abraham, knowing this is his only son, that all the promises that God gave to him would have to come through, he instantly goes into motion to say, cool, I'll sacrifice him, no problem. Because it says he reckoned that God could raise the dead. No time in history up to this point had God ever raised anybody from the dead, but this is the, this is the thinking that happens with covenant. When you realize that God has a covenant with you, then all of a sudden things that are impossible become possible. That's 
Because he looked at the situation and said, well, if God, if you're calling me to do this, I know you got a covenant. You would cease to exist if you fail to honor your word to me. So I don't know how you're gonna work this out. Maybe you raised him from the dead. I don't know, but let's go. You see the confidence that comes in any situation. It's interesting to me, and I, I highlighted this a little bit earlier, but where, what was happening with Abraham when this covenant was being made? What was he doing? He was sleeping. God put him into a, a deep sleep. This is really important to get. Put him into a deep sleep, and then God himself in these two different manifestations came, and really it was a covenant that God made with himself to benefit Abraham. Because if you fail to keep a covenant, what happens to you? Die. God did not want to set Abraham up to fail because he knew that Abraham would not be able to fully keep any covenant that he would make with God. He knew that he was born into sin. He's unable to actually live perfectly and do the things that, that would be necessary to perfectly honor this covenant. And so God doesn't want to put him in that position. So he says, I got this, but this is all about you, but you just watch. I'll take care of it. It's pretty, it's pretty merciful. It's pretty kind. It's pretty gracious. So this is the reality that Abraham is walking in. This marks his life where he goes from being someone who's questioning and wondering to someone who's being fully convinced. And so you might think, well, that's great, but what does this have to do with me? I did not wanna to come to church today for a history lesson, so why are we talking about Abraham and covenants and 5,000 years ago? What's that got to do with today? I would submit to you everything. Because in Galatians chapter three, verse 29, it says this, and now, that you belong to Christ, which we know the Bible teaches, that the way we belong to Christ is not because of what we do, it's not because of our effort, it's not because of some religious activity, it's because of faith. It's because we say, Jesus, I receive what you did for me, the, your death and your resurrection, I, I receive that forgiveness of sins, I receive the new life that you wanna give me, thank you for paying for my, I, I now choose to let you into my life and I wanna live my life, right? That's just faith. Uh, and so the, the reason that we are in Christ is because of faith. The reason we belong to Christ is because of faith. And it says, now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Because remember this, the promise to Abraham wasn't just that, that he would get land or lots of children, but that he would have one descendant through whom all the nations on earth would be blessed. So the, the promise that God, the covenant that God made with Abraham, it applied to his children and to their children's 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 children, right? It was the Jewish people. It was a biological covenant that extended to Jesus, and then Jesus comes on the scene and blows it wide open for everybody else. Let me prove it to you. So we look at the story of Jesus. We look at what he came to do, and, and even with Jesus, uh, we see that he knows what he's doing when he's going to the cross, he says in Luke 22, uh, verse 20, as he's giving his disciples on that last supper, the bread and the wine, he says, this is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you, covenant ceremony. So Jesus himself is saying, I have now come to initiate a new covenant, not just for those that belong to the biological line of Abraham, but for anybody who would choose to believe. I have come to initiate a new covenant with you. In fact, as you look through the word of God, you just, you start to see, this is, Pastor Shane and I were talking, it's kind of like a code-breaking concept. Once you start to get this, you start to see things everywhere throughout scripture that you didn't see before. So uh, over 160 times in the New Testament, the Bible says, uh, refers to being in Christ or in him. That's, that's covenant language. That, that Jesus made a covenant 
and we were in him while he was making this covenant, okay? Uh, and so we see the, the, the terms of the covenant are explained. We see the exchanges that take place. The Bible talks about the fact that Jesus came down and he stepped in and he took on our humanity so that we could experience his nature and his character. It says that he who had no sin became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. So he says, hey, listen, your, your garments, they're, they're pretty dirty. They're stained by sin. Give me the sinful ones. I'll give you the righteous ones. There's an exchange that takes place. There's an exchange of tools. Jesus says, cast your cares upon me because I care for you. I give you my peace. And I don't give it as the world gives, but I give it to you. I give you joy. I give you strength. I give you hope. I give you everything that you need. And it doesn't come because of what you have. It becomes of what, because, because of what I have and the fact that we're now coming together in covenant. All of my resources are now your resources. So give me, give me your stuff. I, it's okay. I can take it and I'll give you mine. I'm in covenant with you. This is not just a conditional thing that's based on your performance. In fact, we see the blood of the covenant, right? Covenant means what? To cut until the blood flows. What was Jesus doing on the cross? He was the only spotless, perfect sacrifice that could have ever been offered. And he said, the lengths of which I'm willing to go to prove to you my love for you, that I'm not against you, but I'm for you. And I'll give you everything that I have is I'm not gonna just have a sacrifice. I'll be the sacrifice. And I'll come in and it's gonna be in my blood that this covenant is gonna yes. be written. And this covenant is gonna be made. And because of my sacrifice, you can now enter into this reality. And the Bible says that he did this for us, that Christ died for us while we were still sinners. In another place, in Ephesians chapter two, it says that while we were dead in our sins, he made us alive with him. Abraham was asleep when God made the covenant with himself on Abraham's benefit because he knew that Abraham wouldn't be able to keep it. But on our part, it gets even worse. We were dead. We were dead in our sins and our trespasses and Jesus came and between him and the father, we are in Jesus and Jesus is making the covenant on our behalf because he knows that we can't keep it. If the covenant is based on you living out some righteous Christian life, if it's based on you doing all the right things, dotting all the I's, crossing all the T's, if it's based on how much you read your Bible or how much you, you avoid sin, we're all in trouble because we will fail at some point and when we fail at some point, the only penalty for that is death. That's how covenants work. And that's why Jesus came in and he said, you know what, I'm gonna take that punishment because I know you're gonna fail. I'm gonna take it upon me. And not only that, I'm gonna be the one that makes the covenant just like it was with Abraham where it doesn't depend on you, but you get to see it. And if you say, yes, I'm in for that, then it's yours. That's a big deal. The covenant principle of a firstborn son. I think you see how that fits in. The blood sacrifice the, the covenant meal, we see that. We see that there's a tree that for generations to come serves as a memorial of the fact that a covenant was made. But here's the craziest one to me. When Jesus died on the cross, we know that before he went to the cross, he was beaten to the maximum penalty allowed by law. And he went to the cross and he allowed himself to be pierced to the cross so that, so that we, it says by his uh, we, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was pierced for our sins. That, 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 that the chastisement for our peace was upon him so that by his wounds, we could be healed. And so he went to the cross 
and he died on the cross and he had his hands pierced and he had his feet pierced and he had his side pierced. And then they took him off the cross and they put him in the grave. And three days later, the grave couldn't hold him. And he rose by the power of the Holy Spirit from the grave, defeated death and hell and all of our sin. And he has a new resurrection body where we know we see he can walk through walls and all kinds of stuff like in the scripture. So it's a new body. He is totally healed. There's no uh, mention of any scars from the beatings that he took, uh, from, from the whippings, from the bruisings, from any of those things, because it's a brand new resurrection body, like someday we'll have. And yet, what remained in his body? Think about this. Why in a resurrection body that has been made new and made perfect, why would, there, why would there still be scars? Why would there still be holes in his hand and in his side that he could say to his disciple, come and feel, it's me? Other than the fact that it's a sign of the covenant. That, that now at the right hand of God sits Jesus, who, who forever is both man and God, who sits there with the marks of a covenant in his hand as he thinks about you as he looks at you. And he's not looking at you to evaluate you based on his performance or your performance. He's looking at you based on the fact that there's a covenant that exists of which you're a beneficiary. And so, so the, the, the rules that God operates by are a little bit different. Because God is a timeless God and this principle of covenant is it's all over the scripture. It's all over the word of God. And so we have a, a high priest, Jesus, who is, who is constantly reminded of the covenant that he has made with us, that his strength is our strength, that his resources are our resources, that we are a community of people who is known not just for our good works, but, but by the very character of God, because he says, I'm uniting myself to you, to who you are. And there's a covenant that exists that I paid every single price for you to enter into that's not based on your performance. If you'll just say yes, if you'll just say, yeah, I received that, I want that. And there's something that happens when we grasp that and when we get that, that changes everything about the way we see the world. Because yeah. when you realize that you are in a covenant with the living God through what Jesus did, you don't have to respond to situations the way that, that everybody else that's not in a covenant with God responds. Abram responded differently once he was in a covenant with God. And, and, and that's the reality for us. That, that we can go to work and when things, are all, <laughs> when things are all going differently than everybody expected, okay? When it's not a good situation and everybody's freaking out, we don't have to freak out because we're people who are in covenant with the living God and his resources are our resources. His strength is our strength. When we're in a situation where we feel like, oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm gonna do here. This is too much for me. We can, we can experience the perfect peace of God in that situation because we strive for it. No, because there is a covenant that exists where God says, I give you my resources, they're yours. Everything that I have, access it. We are one in this together. And so I choose you, receive from what I have and live out of this reality in every circumstance and every situation you're in, when you're in the in-between time, when the healing has not come, when the financial breakthrough has not come, when the family and relationship breakthrough has not come, and yet you're wondering, God, where are you in the midst of this? Today, God says, I'm not just giving you a promise. I'm giving you a covenant so that you can walk with confidence in every situation and you can know I will fulfill every word that I have spoken to you. I would rather cease to exist than fail to honor my word to you. Whether it's the written word or whether it's what I've said to you that you know I've said to you. I am faithful, you can trust me. And I'm not just gonna do that, I give you all of me. I give you all of myself, and all you gotta do is say, yeah, I want that, because it doesn't depend on you. Mm. Yes. Isn't he good? Yes. Let's stand together. The band can come back.
Guys, this is, this is huge. This has been, ever since I heard this, you see why I got mad when I didn't ever hear this before? Because this is just so important. This is so important for us to understand. And I would submit to you as Covenant Life Church that even who you are, your identity as a church is founded on the fact that you're, fact that you're living out a life of covenant relationship with God wherever you go. And so, yes, these words are for you as individuals. Yes, God cares about everything he said to you. Yes, he is with you in every situation. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And it's got nothing to do with you and how well you perform. It's got everything to do with him and how well he performed. But there's a community dynamic to it too, that we are the... We are the people of a covenant. We live differently. We're a different kind of person. The, the culture of what God's creating here, the, the fulfillment of the, the Lord's prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven happens through a covenant people who understand whose they are and who they are because they understand who their God is. So man, I'm excited for you coming out of this offense series where we're talking about not living on the defense, but going out, man, there's nothing that makes me wanna go out more than, than knowing, man, I've got a God who, is, who, who lacks nothing, who is my covenant partner. And my life coming into this covenant says I died and I wrote, he brought me to new life. And so it's not even me that's living. I, I've chosen to lay aside the, the weakness of my own life to take on his strength. I've laid down my sinfulness to take on his righteousness. I've laid down my sickness to take on his healing. I've laid down my poverty to take on his riches because that's what happens in covenant. And maybe you're here today and I'm talking about this and you say, man, I don't even know that I've got a relationship with the Lord. This sounds, if that's really who God is, I want that. But I don't know that I've ever taken a step to say, Lord, I, I, I accept you. I receive what you've done. And I know it, it sounds too good to be true. It really does. But that's why the gospel is, is the good news. Because it's just, it's, if it's not too good to be true, it's probably not God. Because he's just, he's just beyond the greatness and the goodness that we can describe. And so maybe you're here today and you're thinking, ah, I've never made that decision to just allow him to, to be in my life. I've never said, Lord, I want you to, I, I want to be in this relationship, this covenant relationship with you. Well, today, I, today I believe is your day. And, and maybe you're thinking, well, man, what are all the things I need to do to earn this or deserve this or to prove this or that's not how it works, guys. That's not how covenant works. It's already been done. You're just the recipient of it, if you so desire. And if there were 900, if there were a thousand steps to take to get to Jesus, he's already taken 999 of them. All you gotta do is just open the door and let him in. So I'm just gonna ask you, I'm gonna count to three. And if there's anybody here today that you say, man, it's, today's my day. Maybe it's the first time, maybe it's been a long time since you made a decision like that and you just feel like you haven't been living that way and you're saying, nah, today's the day. I'm not gonna go out here and try to man up and do it on my own. I'm a, I need the Lord. I'm gonna count to three and when I count to three, if that's you, I just want you to slip up your hand because I just wanna pray with you, okay? So if that's you today, today's your day. Jesus, come on in. Ready? One, two, three. If that's you, raise up your hand. Is there anybody here? See that hand, see that hand, see that hand. Is there anybody else? Today, today could be the, the most dramatic shift you've ever had from going to a place of trying to struggle and make it happen on your own to a place of living in the power of a covenant with the living God. Anybody else? All right, here's what I'm gonna do. Now I know I'm a guest, so guests can sometimes do things that 
that regular uh, tenders here just don't do. So I'm gonna do it the way we do it at my church. Is that okay? And, and if this gets weird, you can just turn to the person next to you and say, the weird dude with the beard made me do this, okay? I'm, I'm totally okay with that. So here's what I'm gonna ask. This is a huge moment. Pastor Shane of Covenant Life Church.